Well, Carrie Herbert was just eight years old, living in one of the most uninhabited polar regions of the world. She and her family were living among 12 other families in Northwest Greenland near a remote Inuit tribe. And one day, this young British girl, Carrie, was talked into going on an adventure with a young girl from one of those families in the hopes that they would be able to take a dog sled and explore an iceberg out in the distance. They were going to climb their way up and slide their way down. But as little Carrie was climbing, that girl and her dog sled slipped away. And there was Carrie, eight years old, out in the middle of nowhere, all alone, away from her family, two miles from shore. She must have been so frightened. And to make matters worse, she had lived there a couple years already, so she knew that this area was widely understood to be polar bear territory. Oh, this moment went from curiosity and excitement to tears and fear. And she says that she gathered up her strength and decided that she was not going to be afraid. She was going to make her way back to the village on her own, on foot. But as she did, she noticed something. She noticed the way that the icebergs seemed to dazzle like a million diamonds in the light. She noticed the way the island was bathed with pink. And she says that that experience marked her with a lesson. Now, I need to tell you before I get any farther that there were people back in that remote village that realized little Carrie was missing. So they sent a rescue team uh, to rescue her from any harm. But she says that moment marked her with a lesson because she realized that even when life seems really challenging, wonder is often close by. Now, this story is really compelling to me, and I know that none of you um, experienced polar bears on your way to tent today. <laughs> but it's compelling to me, not just because I remember being a little girl, noticing the way that the snow really did look like diamonds in the sunlight, but it's compelling to me because she did not come to this curiosity and wonder alone. It was a gift to her. Carrie is Sir Wally Herbert's daughter, this polar, world-renowned researcher and explorer. And he had taken his whole family to northwestern Greenland to learn about the Inuit people's practices and the way they were able to survive amidst great challenge and living with beautiful, breathtaking beauty all around them. And Carrie says that she went on to write a book called The Explorer's Daughter. And then she wrote more books, illustrated more books, and interviewed men and women who were willing to go to the far reaches of the world and experience wonder. And in that beauty, they were compelled to create beautiful things. She says that all of them would probably agree with her that in a moment of true wonder, it is like a gift, making you aware that you are small in the face of something so much bigger than yourself, and you feel connected to it. She says that it is not earned, it's available to everyone. It is heart-opening and soul-lifting. 
And we're talking today about our souls. We've began this sermon series called Living Love, where we're looking at Jesus' teaching about the essentials in our lives, the things that really matter. And last week, Pastor Craig and Pastor Jeff at some of our sites were sharing what it means to love God with all our hearts. And today, I have the honor of exploring with you what does it mean to love God with all our souls? When Jesus was asked in Mark chapter 12, what is the greatest commandment? He said in verse 30 through 31, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. What does it mean to love God with all our souls? Well, I started by talking with you about wonder and our soul's invitation to explore and experience moments of God's splendor. And I love the way G.K. Chesterton, English writer and philosopher, writes about this push and pull of our souls being invited into something so much bigger than ourselves. He writes about uh, wonder this way. How can we contrive to be at once astonished in the world and yet at home in it? How can this world give us at once the fascination of a strange town and the comfort and honor of being our town? And I like the way he says this. We need this life of practical romance. The combination of something that is strange with something that is secure. We need to view the world as to combine an idea of wonder and an idea of welcome. We need to be happy in this wonderland without one being merely comfortable. Now, I believe that throughout this summer, you have had moments where you have experienced God's creation, maybe on a beautiful hike in the mountains, maybe as you've been exploring this BC wonderland, you've had times where you saw a view out from your paddleboard or on a trip to one of the islands, or for those watching online, a place that you experienced where it kind of took your breath away and you didn't have words. And it's kind of like that. You're being welcomed into something bigger, and yet with wonder you're stepping back because it's hard to even take in. And when we are welcomed into an experience like that, we are encouraged by God to be alert to his presence. It makes us feel small, like we are in the face of something so much bigger than ourselves. When we feel small, we are alert, invited to be alert to God. But we don't all walk around feeling enraptured and feeling wonder all the time, do we? Sometimes we wake up feeling really tired. Sometimes we get parking tickets. <laughs> Some people know that happened to me this week. I did not feel wonder when that happened. Sometimes we are carrying heavy loads in life and as beautiful as a holiday away is, there are things we are doing that we need God's help with. And Jesus has some really beautiful words, some compelling words for us when we are feeling burdened. He says to us in Matthew 11:28 28 through 30, 
Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And Jesus is inviting us, inviting our very souls to get away with him, to learn from him, to rest in him. It's a beautiful promise. We're being asked to be a bit like the explorer's daughter who's willing to come away and see beautiful things even in the face of our fear and in the wilderness. You know, in the Bible, our soul is often described like breath of life. Our soul is uh, our, our personhood, this gift from a creative, loving God who gives us the ability and capacity to creatively respond to his creative work in us and around the world. It's a gift. But we don't always feel alert to that gift. Sometimes we feel tired. And Jesus is saying in Matthew 11, come to me. Find rest in me. Get away with me. Learn from me over time. I love the way the message says it. Eugene Peterson says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Does anybody feel their shoulders kind of get a little bit lighter when you hear that promise? I'd invite you to do so. <laughs> I'd invite you to read that every day. And hear the Lord inviting you when you feel small in weariness to get close to Jesus. Let me say that again. When you feel small in your weariness, you are invited to be close to Jesus. And Jesus is coming to us in gentleness. He's telling us, I'm able to do this in a way that is fitted to you, your needs, your season of life. I can teach you. And he's teaching us with gentleness. It's calming and encouraging. And he knew that he was speaking to people who were carrying heavy burdens. He was speaking to people who were working hard just day in and day out. And he was talking with people who also carried heavy expectations of religious law on what they needed to do to be righteous and right before God. And he seemed to be separating himself from all of that and saying, my way is different. Learn from me. I'm essential. Walk with me. Learn from me. Get away with me. And that invitation is ours today to our souls. So whether we come in wonder or in weariness, we can hear Jesus inviting us to be close to him. Now, some of you may feel a bit like you don't know what that closeness is like. And I want to imagine, have you imagine with me, something I hadn't thought about in a long time. You see, when I was a little girl, I've shared with you, uh, lots of you, that I'm a twin. My twin sister and I had this really invisible way of being in a room full of people and actually being very close. 
If we were sitting next to each other, you wouldn't notice it on our facial expressions, but if somebody said something that startled us, seemed important, upset us, you wouldn't see us react, but immediately my twin sister Quelan and I would push our elbows against one another with equal force. And it was like we were saying, yes, I heard it, I saw it, I'm with you. It was this real close connection. And if we were sitting in a movie or a restaurant booth or sitting in church like you are today, it might be our knees that immediately pressed against one another with equal strength. And sometimes, I think drawing close to Jesus is kind of like that. Like it doesn't have to be something that anyone around you is alerted to, but it's like in our spirit we can hear Jesus drawing us to lean in. Whether we're experiencing wonder or weariness, lean in, stay close to me, be alert to my presence. Now sometimes when my twin sister and I would have a moment like that, one of us saw or noticed something first. And so in that case, we would immediately push that same force or strength, but it was kind of like we were saying, uh, yeah, what did she see? What does she want my eyes to notice? And we would push back with that force, but then say in our mind's eye, ah, I got it. I know what she wanted me to see. And I want you to know that it's okay that in our walk with Jesus, sometimes it's a bit more like that. We're leaning in, Lord, I'm here. I want to hear from you. I don't know what you're doing yet, but yes. I say yes to what you're doing in my story. Now, that's a bit childlike to share that. And I think that sometimes we as grown-ups can be a little bit reluctant to lean in. We become people that kind of lean out, kind of watch and see what's going to happen next. There's an old Chinese proverb that I found in a book written by Sam Keen, An Apology of Wonder. And in it, he says, only to a child is pure happiness possible. Later, it is always tainted with the knowledge that it will not last. And I, I've studied child development for all of my life, so I tend to push back on really idealistic statements about children because young people experience hurts and obstacles just like we do. But I do think that Jesus himself instructs us that if we're going to lean in with closeness to Christ, alert to what the Father God is doing, that we also need to have this childlike openness in our spirit. And we need God's help to have that. Jesus says in Matthew 11, before he says, come to me, find rest in me, learn from me, he prays this prayer, O oh, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. So Jesus himself is inviting us to be like children, leaning in, alert to his presence, even when we feel unsure of what he's doing. This brings me to the fact that wonder and weariness aren't the only things that stop us in our tracks and make us feel small. Sometimes moments of crisis and loss do that too. Have you ever experienced something that made you feel small because in the face of it, you just thought, this is so much bigger than me. I don't know what you're up to, God, but I need your help with this. So it is with grief that we can find ourselves needing help like children to trust God, even with our hurts. 
And I've shared bits of my story here and there, and I love to give God glory for what he's done in my life, but I'll be honest, I don't like grief. (laughs) I suppose you don't either. I was listening to a podcast recently um, with a grief expert, and Marianne Williamson, an author, was being interviewed, and she said these really beautiful words that I haven't forgotten. She says, grief makes us alive to our lives. We become a people willing to live from a deeper place. I like that. And yet, it can be really painful to open up our wounds, the stuff we don't have figured out yet, and to trust God and one another with that. I was remembering what it felt like to uh, find out that my mom had been diagnosed with cancer when I was just nine years old. And I remember going to school the next day, and I don't know if you've ever been carrying a burden and just kind of felt like people could see it on you, but when I walked into school, I remember feeling a little bit like all of the teachers remembered my name a little bit quicker, and the office staff and the classroom aides, they all seemed to kind of turn and notice me when I walked down the hallway. Now, psychologists call this the spotlight effect, (laughs) when we feel like everyone's looking at us, and in times of great vulnerability, I don't know about you, but it can feel like that. But we're reminded in Jesus' invitation to come close to him that we can also bring the things that make us feel the most undone, the most vulnerable, the stuff we don't have figured out yet. And I want you to know that Jesus seems to be telling us that he does some of his very best work in our lives and our stories right there, right in the middle of the stuff that makes us feel the most small and weak. And so it is in our wonder, in our weariness, and in our weakness, we are invited to come with childlike trust and to lean into Christ. And as I've been considering uh, the ways that the scriptures remind us we can do this, I was looking at 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10, where the apostle Paul has this encounter with Christ and it changes him. He says, but Jesus said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. These are powerful words to our souls today. When we ask the question, how do we love God with all our souls? We're given this reminder that we can come to Jesus, find rest in him, and expect that even in our weaknesses, we can be made strong. And I want to suggest some really practical ways that we can do this in the Spirit's help. Pastor Ken, as many of you know, has written a book entitled God in My Everything, and some of you may be quite familiar with this Ancient rhythm, this practice of building a rule of life. Some of you maybe are hearing about it for the first time. But for over 1,500 years, God's people have been practicing a rule of life where spiritual practices are regularly put into our days, our weeks, our months. 
And I would invite you to think today about your own rule of life. Something that helps your soul to be attentive to what God's doing in you and around the world. So my question is, when do you feel most alert to God's presence? For me, it involves time spending moments outdoors. I I found that I am more alive to God's presence when I'm in creation. So my rule of life for years has included time getting into the outdoors. And for me, I'm much more alert to that if I'm physically running or exerting energy. That may not be what you would include in your rule of life. But for me, that helps me to be alert and close to God as well. As I run, I'm praying, I'm working through the things that give me burdens and the things I need to trust God with. And my rule of life also includes moments of solitude with my journal laying in my lap every morning. And I recently was mentioning that to a friend who uh, has not put her faith in Christ yet, and she said to me, oh, I've never been a good writer. (laughs) And I thought, oh, wow, that would be terrible to feel a pressure that what you write in your journal needs to be good. (laughs) No, it's like that leaning in and just saying a yes to Christ and, and leaving space and solitude where you can hear back from the Spirit in your own heart and life. And sometimes my journal is just blank, just empty, lots of days. But it's there and it's on the ready in case there's something I need to write, profess my praise and wonder, or confess my struggles, my temptations, my weakness. And I'd encourage you to think about the things that you might add into your life in a rule or a regular rhythm in the last weeks of the summer, even thinking towards the fall and starting a new season. You know, there's been times in seasons of life where my running and my prayer time included pushing a big double stroller with two big boys in it while the rain was pounding down. Uh, Not necessarily graceful, (laughs) but I regularly did it. And then now, if you catch me on any given morning before I come to work, you'll, you'll find me pulling my Pitbull Boxer Mix Malibu, my dog, So in different seasons of life, our our rule, our rhythms are allowed to change. And they're not just homework. And I I want you to hear this. A rule of life is not just about what you do. It's about who you are becoming in Christ. I want that to give life to you. I want that to be like those words I read earlier that said, are you tired? Are you weary? Come away with me. Find rest. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. That's what I want you to hear when I talk about a rule of life. It's not, oh, I have to do these things. No, it's I get to figure out what enlivens my spirit, helps me to be alert to God. And God doesn't ask me to leave my weakness and my weariness in the other room. (laughs) I'm allowed to bring that too. I want you to hear that today. And our rule of life often includes these things that we intentionally add, but you know what? It also includes things we intentionally take away. What is something that you do in your life right now, friends, that increases your weariness? If you're honest with yourself. I know for me, I'm looking at my phone on the front row. I am someone who loves to be on at all times. But if I'm honest... 
The Spirit also talks to me about needing to build into my rhythm times where I have blocks away, blocks of time away from my phone, and it's really hard. I'd encourage you to look at what it is you do in your rhythms that actually start uh, life-giving and become like weariness. And think of one person you're willing to hold you accountable to do something different. I'm telling all of you. (laughs) That's a lot of accountability. (laughs) But maybe you can think of one person that you'd be willing to ask to hold you accountable. And some of our rhythms are done all in solitude and some of them get us together in a room like this. And part of our rule and our rhythm is figuring out what are the things I need to do with others. And God brings us these spiritual friendships, these people who are in our lives, not on accident. Can you think of somebody like that? If you can, I'd encourage you to build into your rhythm time with that person or those people. People who you can do life with and grow together with. That's why I come here at 10th. I'm on staff, but I need you to know I come here to be grown, to be challenged, to learn from my brothers and sisters in Christ, to learn from each of you. That's part of my rule of life. I also want you to know that the things we build into these rhythms don't need to be like big New Year's resolutions. They don't need to be big things. They can be small things with big impact. And they don't require us to get away outside of our lives. I began talking with you about Carrie Herbert and the wonder she experienced among icebergs with the dazzled like diamonds, but you don't have to go to the Arctic to experience wonder. It's interesting that Carrie asked her own daughter, now this is the explorer's daughter, she asked her own daughter, where is it you experience the greatest sense of wonder? And her daughter said, in a field of wildflowers right near our backyard in the UK. So it is that God might be calling us to make time to get away right in our backyard and to meet God there. When I was a young girl, I wasn't able to go on trips. My single mom didn't have the um, resources of time and energy to get away, so that wasn't part of our family culture, but I remember just spending regular time in my backyard behind our Kansas apartment next to a creek. And one day, I remembered there had been this storm and there were clouds up overhead and the light was shining through, and I was probably 12 or 13. And I remember watching the way the light reflected, and it may sound so simple, but I remembered feeling like I don't have to get away to the other side of the world because all of God's splendor is just sitting with me in this puddle of water right before my eyes. And I believe that God was alerting a young girl's heart to sense his presence and to hear from him, even if my heart was burdened with young troubles that even when life is challenging, God's love is always close by. I wanna leave you with a few words that Brian Boyle, an author, wrote about in his book, Notes of Wonder. Sometimes artists and musicians have this way of being able to put into words uh, moments of wonder. He says, I sing a song of things that make us grin and bow, that just for an instant let us see sometimes the web and the weave of merciful, 
the endless possible, the incomprehensible, inexhaustible, inexplicable, yes. You hear the Lord asking you to lean in close enough to hear in your spirit a yes from your Savior. I want you to examine the places where you can build regular time with God so that in your soul you can hear yes. And over time, Jesus can teach us when we hear this inexhaustible yes, how can we say yes with our souls to him? Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you that you invite us with childlike trust so that whether we come to you in wonder or in weariness or in weakness, Lord, you are always close by and you want us to bring to you the very things that make us feel small. I pray, Lord, that you would work in our hearts and lives and over time help us to live as a people who are alive to our lives. Help us to live from that deeper place and to sense you in our spirits, in our souls, saying yes to us. And teach us to be a people here at 10th that say every day yes to you. Amen.